You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Connection with our sermon this morning, I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians 1, verses 6 through 24. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, and now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel is preached. The gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you that before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Cilicia, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Our text this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Now I want you to know, brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Because of this, I rejoice. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, our priorities should be a big priority.
for us. Priorities are very important. In many ways, you can determine, understand better how you spend your time, how you spend your money, and why you think, speak, and act in the way that you do by examining your priorities, by examining what matters to you. What really matters ultimately, what you think really matters. Let me give you an example. Think of two garbage men with different priorities. One believes that the most important thing for a garbage man is that he makes the position of a garbage man look good. A garbage man should be worthy of respect, is what he always says. And so he goes through his route every week and he smiles at everyone as he goes by. He makes light conversation. He never spills any garbage on the road. And he always, always puts the garbage can back up straight when he's done. Now consider another garbage man. A garbage man who believes that the most important thing for a garbage man is that he is fast. That he gets through his route as quickly as possible. A garbage man is not a true garbage man unless he's fast, is what he always says. And so he goes through his route as quickly as possible. He he never smiles at anyone. He barely even notices them except when he's about to run them over with his truck. He spills garbage all over the road, and he never, ever makes sure that the garbage can is put up straight. It's the same job. It's the same thing every day. But two very different approaches and two very different results. Why? Different priorities. Different ideas about what really matters. Well, In Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11, the Apostle Paul prays for what really matters in the life of the Philippians. We looked at that last week. That their love would grow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. As we saw last week, what Paul is praying for is that the gospel of Jesus Christ would take hold in their lives and would work itself out in their actions. As a Christian, what happens to you in believing in Jesus Christ and grabbing hold of Him, is that you slowly begin to lose your priorities, uh, the things that used to matter to you, and you learn to have the same priorities as Jesus Christ Himself. Well, in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul continues to talk about priorities. He continues to talk about what really matters, and the summary of that comes in verse 18 of our text. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Paul shows what really matters. He shows his priority is the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this matters to him because that's what matters to Jesus Christ as Lord. And brothers and sisters, what matters to Jesus Christ is what should matter to us. What really matters? The advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the theme of our sermon this morning. What really matters is the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll see that this should be done through Christ's way, according to His plan. 
And we'll also see that it should be done for Christ's kingdom and not any other kingdom. So what really matters is the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Philippians in our text, as the background for our text, it's clear that the Philippians were concerned about Paul. They were very concerned about him, and they were very concerned about the gospel in general, the the proclamation and the spreading of the gospel in their world. And you can understand the concern that the Philippians would have had for Paul, and even for the gospel when you consider what's going on behind our text. Remember that Paul is in prison, probably in Rome, most likely, and so he's not able to go out and to preach the gospel in the manner of an evangelist, of an itinerant preacher, like he was before. Remember, Paul was the one who went and preached all over Asia Minor and spread the gospel and planted churches all over the place. And many came to faith in Jesus Christ through his work. And so being in prison would be a setback for anyone in their task. But Paul is not just anyone. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul was the one who was set apart at birth, he says in Galatians 1, which we read together, to be, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be his servant. Paul has been the single most important person in the work of spreading the gospel, in the work of advancing the church since the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven. Paul's like the quarterback, the star quarterback on a football team. How is a football team going to advance up the field without their quarterback? It's impossible. Without Paul, how is the gospel going to advance? The situation seems hopeless. But what made the situation seem even more hopeless was the fact that Paul might never get out of prison. If you were to look in the verses after our text you notice that Paul starts talking about death. Verse 20, whether I live or die. Verse 21, to die is gain. Verse 22, if I am to go on living, but I do not know. He's talking about death. Why? Because he is on trial for his life. This trial that he is in as he waits in prison in Rome might end in death. It might not be any temporary setback. It might be life-ending for the apostle to the Gentiles. And so the Philippians, being concerned about Paul and being concerned about the advance of the gospel, they have questions. Why is the Lord allowing this to happen? Why is Paul in prison? What is Jesus Christ doing in allowing Paul to be put on trial? What good could possibly come of this? And so when Paul writes this letter, he knows these concerns. He knows what the Philippians are thinking. And he understands those concerns. He understands the concerns of the Philippians, but he doesn't agree with them. He doesn't have the same questions that the Philippians have. Why not? Well, it comes down to one fundamental reason, which sits beside, behind everything that Paul says here, but yet he doesn't say And that is that Paul believes in God's providence. Paul believes he is certain 
that nothing comes to us by chance, but that everything comes to us by God's fatherly hand. He knows that God has a plan. God has an eternal plan that He has been working out since the beginning. And He knows that God has no plan B. And Paul also knows that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He's at the right hand of God the Father in heaven and He has power. He is able. He's in control. And finally, Paul knows that Jesus' plan is to advance the gospel. And in doing so, to advance His kingdom. And so Paul tells the Philippian church, I'm not despairing of my position here in prison. I'm not despairing of it at all. Actually, it has helped me to advance the gospel. I might be in prison, he's saying, but I am strategically put in prison for a reason. Christ put me here for a purpose. And that's a purpose that Paul is only too eager to achieve. Look at verse 13. As a result of my imprisonment, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone that I am in chains for Christ. What's called the, the palace guard in our text is, is probably what's referred, what was referred to in those days as the Praetorian Guard. This was the, the personal bodyguard of the emperor, and they also acted as the police force in Italy. They weren't allowed to have armies in Italy, so the Praetorian Guard was the police force in Italy. And so it was uh, sort of like the Secret Service in the United States, uh, plus, I guess, a wider responsibility. So Paul is in prison, but he takes no holiday from proclaiming the gospel. You can just imagine. Here he is, he's stuck in one place, and there's a guard there stuck with him. And if there's going to be a guard with him all day, every day, that guard is going to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul isn't going to let him off the hook. Probably some of these military men found Paul to be quite an annoying prisoner to be to be in charge of. But the important thing for Paul is not that, but that the gospel is preached. You can just imagine, and you probably know situations of people who are in the hospital. They're stuck in a hospital bed. They can't go anywhere. But yet they use that opportunity to speak to everyone who has to care for them, the nurses, the doctors, the, the caretakers, about Jesus Christ and about His great and powerful love. Well, since Paul knows Jesus Christ and, and since he knows that Jesus Christ knows what he's doing, then what seems like a major setback becomes a major triumph for the gospel. He's preaching to the Praetorian Guard. These are the people who have access to the emperor. They have access to many other highly placed officials in the Roman Empire. They're spread throughout Italy. In giving the gospel to the Praetorian Guard, he is in a great way, advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ and influencing many people, perhaps even the emperor himself. And so that's how it was for Paul. He knew that what really mattered was the advance of the gospel, the advance of Christ's kingdom through the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. And as long as Jesus Christ continues to reign at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, 
And as long as God has His plan, which never changes, then this will be important for the church, the proclamation of the gospel and the spreading of the kingdom. And we need to make that explicit to ourselves so that we don't try to let ourselves off the hook here. The advance of Christ's kingdom is the church's work. It is our work. It's true that this is done through the official means of the the preaching of the word by ordained servants. But it's also done in your lives. When you speak about Christ to your neighbor, when you show Christ's love to anyone, when you are a salt and a light in a bland and dark world, then you are helping to advance the kingdom of Christ, to advance the gospel of Christ. That's the church's calling. That's what is important to us. And it was also to Paul. Paul knew that no matter how important it might be to him to advance the gospel, it was far more important to Jesus Christ in heaven. No one is going to stop Jesus Christ from extending his kingdom all over the world, certainly not the emperor in Rome. And so if Christ is going to see Paul end up in prison, then Paul is there to preach the gospel. What will it take for us to have that same sort of attitude as the Apostle Paul? To not despair of our circumstances, but to trust in God's providence in putting us there. How many of us, myself included, haven't complained about our circumstances? How many of us, myself included, haven't used our circumstances as an excuse to not advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, to not speak about His love, to not show His love? We find any reason to excuse ourselves from speaking about our Lord and Savior. But isn't it far more beautiful when you see that person, like like the person who is, say, in the hospital, even as they're there under difficult circumstances, they're struggling, they're in pain. But they know that God has put them there for a reason. They don't say, I'm useless. Here I am in a hospital bed. What can I do? Instead, they say, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. If He has put me here like this, He has put me here for a reason. And that is to help in whatever small way I can to advance His gospel through my thoughts, through your words, through our deeds, to whomever that person comes into contact with. We also often struggle with Christ's purposes when we speak about evangelism. We speak about being a salt and a light in our world. You often hear that, well, if I was in a country where the gospel was exploding, like in China or in in South America, then I would be able to speak about the power of Jesus Christ because people would be willing to listen. But what can I do since I live in Canada and nobody wants to hear me? Well, think about it. Does, Does that make any sense at all? Does it make any sense that Jesus Christ didn't know what He was doing when He put you here, at this time, in this place, in a culture that's apathetic toward Christianity? Do you think that Jesus Christ didn't know what He was doing when He put the church of Langley in this time, in this place, right here, 
to be his witnesses? Of course not. Jesus Christ knew what he was doing. It is hard to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's hard to be a witness to him, especially in our culture, but it is Christ's work. Jesus Christ didn't put us here for no reason. He put us here in this place at this time so that we could be his witnesses, so that the gospel of Jesus Christ could be preached to our city, so that the kingdom of Christ could grow right here where we are, in our lives, in our families' lives, in our neighborhoods, in our city. What matters is the advance of the gospel. That is Christ's purpose for His church. And brothers and sisters, we are His church. So the advance of the gospel needs to be done through Christ's way, in whatever circumstance He puts us. It also needs to be done for Christ's kingdom. You see, Paul's imprisonment had not only given him an opportunity to preach the gospel, but we read it also encouraged others to proclaim the gospel of God more courageously and fearlessly than before. And there we see another strategic move of Jesus Christ and the effect of that in putting Paul in prison. It's another example that what matters is the advance of the gospel and that it must be done in Christ's way in whatever circumstance his servants find them. Paul's in prison, so other brothers say, well, now it's up to us to proclaim the gospel. And this is a very positive result, but you see, even this seemingly positive result has a dark side that the Philippians get worried about. The good side is that Paul's confidence has inspired other brothers, and and they're going out and doing that work now. But the bad side is that there are those in the Christian community in Rome who are preaching the gospel, but who are doing it with wrong motives, with false intentions. Now, there is some debate about what exactly is going on with these two groups of people who are preaching Christ, but I'll give you the picture that I think. There there are two groups that are preaching Christ if we look from verse 15 on. Some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. And then if you go to verse 17, they do it out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. That's the one group. And the other group are doing it out of love, knowing that Paul is put there for the defense of the gospel. This is what seems, what it seems like is happening here. In the church of Rome, there are some who are jealous of the Apostle Paul. They're jealous of his success as a missionary, and they're jealous at his skill, even though he claims elsewhere that he doesn't have any skill, but by the results that he gets, his skill in proclaiming the gospel, his skill in in preaching. They see Paul gaining notoriety, becoming famous, gaining a place of of status in, in the church, and they don't like it. And so when they preach, they preach not to help the cause of the gospel, but they preach simply to gain fame and status for themselves. They don't want Paul to get the glory. They they don't want the Paul group to grow. They want their group to grow. They want to get the glory. When Paul says in verse 17 that this group preaches, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains, 
I think that what they're trying to do is stir up jealousy in the heart of the apostle. Stir up discouragement. Because they think he must get jealous when he sees that our group is growing faster than his. So the problem isn't with the message that these brothers are preaching. They're preaching a message similar to Paul and the other faithful brothers. The problem is with their motive. What these men are concerned about is not proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ for the sake of the kingdom of Christ, but they're concerned with proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ for the sake of their own kingdom. They want power. They want status. They want notoriety. Their preoccupation is not with Christ's glory. It's with their own. And that's so often the way that it is with envy and jealousy, isn't it? We become envious when when we're building our little kingdom and King Mies gets to sit on his throne and receive all the praise and the glory. You may be even doing something good, something as good as preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But your motive is not Christ's glory and Christ's kingdom, but your own. That seems to be what was going on in Rome. But the Apostle Paul, even when he sees this situation, he doesn't despair. Because he knows what matters. And he knows that what matters is Christ's kingdom. Not Paul's kingdom. What matters is Christ's glory. Not Paul's glory. What matters is the advance of the gospel. What matters is that Christ is being preached. Verse 18. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Because of this, I rejoice. The advance of the gospel is for the kingdom of God. And that is what the gospel is all about. Preaching Christ means preaching His honor and His glory and His work of salvation. And so whoever is preaching Christ truly is doing it for Christ. If we're concerned about the advance of the gospel, brothers and sisters, then we're concerned about the kingdom of Christ and not our own kingdom. Doesn't it so easily happen that our own needs and our own wants and our own desires can crowd out our concern for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Doesn't it so easily happen that priorities that put ourselves first come before priorities that put Christ first? Mr. Smith is a Christian man who he worked tirelessly for the church. He was the treasurer, he was an elder, and he was the caretaker. For everyone in the church, he was a picture of Christ-like service and devotion for a long time, many, many years. That was, however, until he developed heart troubles that didn't allow him to do much of anything. He even had to hire someone to cut his grass and someone to come in once a month and vacuum his house. This led Mr. Smith to be very irritable and full of self-pity. He recounted to everyone who, who would listen to him how much he used to do and how much he used to be able to do, but now he's useless, good for nothing. How can I serve Christ when I can't even do anything? He used to say to his pastor. What would Mr. Smith's, what would Mr. Smith sound like if his concern was for Christ's kingdom 
rather than his own. Perhaps the beginning would sound the same. He works tirelessly for the church. He's the treasurer and elder and the caretaker. But when he's struck with heart troubles, how does he react? Well, he goes to see the doctor and he he tells him how thankful he is that he was able to serve Christ for as long as he was. When that lady comes to vacuum his house once a month, he speaks about the wonderful church that he gets to go to every week and the beautiful people there that he has fellowship with. When the young man comes to cut his grass, he tells him how much he appreciates the help. When he talks to the pastor, he he tells him how amazed he is that even though he can't serve Christ in the way that he used to, he still has an opportunity to witness every day. In fact, he would say, I get more chances to speak about my Lord now than I ever did before when I was busy, busy, busy. When you're focused on Christ's kingdom, then all of life is an opportunity to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in whatever circumstance He has placed you. When we realize that Christ is in control, that He has a plan, and that these present circumstances are a part of that plan, then we become useful servants of the gospel. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy. We will all struggle to maintain our focus on Christ's kingdom because our own often seems so important and so pressing. But look to Jesus Christ for help. Ask Him to give you the same priorities that He has so that you'll not only know what really matters, but you'll be able to do it too. If the advance of the gospel really matters to Jesus Christ, and He is really powerful, then won't He give you what you need to be His faithful servant in that work? Of course He will. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.